Hi, this is Jacob here, and welcome to episode 14 of the Clown Chat Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be uh, discussing, um, you know, giving a little preview of the Celtic of the Celtics offseason and, uh, and, and and talking about a couple of players I think could be possibilities for the Celtics, um, you know, based on just some some speculation and some, you know, just um, some things that have come out. Um, and, and and just kind of moving on onto that. So um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that first. Um, our sponsors um, show off training, train with purpose. Check out their uh, their social media, their Instagram uh, page, especially. Um, you know, you can check out their website. They've got uh, you know Facebook Live sessions. You can. Um, you know, there's all sorts of products on on the website too. You can buy um, just you know stuff that's going to help you train better. You know, the sessions um will 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 help you with that. So definitely uh definitely check all that stuff out and also check out Show Off Training the podcast. Um, podcast basically delving into everything about um you know staying healthy and nutrition and all that stuff and uh everything in the health kind of sphere. So. Definitely check that out. And um, so the other sponsor, per36.com, um, best basketball analytics website on the internet. Um, latest thing on there, check out the uh, basically how all the elite scores in the league are, are getting it done this season. Um, shot charts, metrics, all that stuff. Um, definitely check check that out. They've um, also got plenty of other things. Um, a what if on on Le- the early part of LeBron James's career, hustle a hustle index. I mean, it's it's really cool the stuff they got there. Definitely check that out. And uh, now onto the episode. So, as far as the Boston Celtics, like like it's Jalen Brown's out. It's over. The season's been wrecked. And uh, don't listen to anyone who tries to tell you that. Oh, it's Brad Stevens, and oh, it's. Just such an, you know, it's Jason Tatum and it's Jalen Brown. No, it's not. We all know what, there are three things that wreck this team. It is injuries. It is COVID. And it is roster construction issues from earlier in the season that have been fixed. Now, obviously, you know, since the last time I've recorded, um, They've completely gone into a tailspin, and it's um, largely because Jalen Brown, you know, the second best player on the team, budding young all-star, just future superstar talent, and he is not going to be playing the rest of the season. Um, so, you know, obviously, it's it's the end, and uh, basically, uh, it, it, it's time. You know, we are kind of moving in this direction but not really but now it's like it's time it, it's time to uh to, to to say what needs to be said and that is that this team is better off losing the best thing that this team that can happen to this team is for them to you know obviously and, and, and it's you know to anyone who says oh you're not a fan for hoping that the, you know, ho- ho- hoping that they leave. Well, my response to that would be that as a fan of the Boston Celtics, my role is to 
wish for the best possible outcome for the Boston Celtics. And when I say that, that does not always mean for the Boston Celtics to win. And right now, given the situation that they're in, the best thing that can happen to this team, and they have done a hell of a job at it. They have. <laughs> that Cleveland loss was special, let me tell you. Um, so they, they are driving the tank. And that's exactly what they've got to do. Just, you know, end it. Just lose. Just get to get to as high a place in the draft lottery as you can get to. I'm pretty sure they can get as high as 12. They can certainly get in, into that top 14, that lottery, where they'll have a, some small percentage to jump up into the draft. That, that's the most beneficial thing for this team at this point. Like, especially... Look, if, if if they end up winning the second playing game and they get the eight seed against against Philadelphia and and, and they get swept and, and they get playoff playoff experience out of it for Neesmith and Pritchard and whatever, like like that's fine. Oh well. But a series against the Nets would just bring so much toxicity into everything. It's just it, it's just it, it's really, really um something that needs to not happen and like we don't want things to go there it, it's just it would just be really detrimental to a lot of things it would just bring out a lot of bad blood and just no that's not a good idea right now let's just uh let's just take this thing and end it and um obviously the timberwolves and the knicks are the last two games and um we'll see if they lose those and we'll see what happens. And but the best thing they can do, they're probably not going to try to win either of those games. I'm pretty sure that a lot of the main guys like Tatum are going to get rested. So um, it'll be hard to out tank Minnesota, but they managed to out tank Cleveland. So who knows? Um, but yeah, my um, so yeah, I mean that that's the best thing that can happen at this point. Just. Just get it over with. Just end it. Just just ha have the full rest, right? Have the full off season of rest. That's the best thing that can happen for this team. Um, and then see what happens in in the lottery. So, obviously, you know, that's going to be a wild card in in all of this, and we're we're going to get more into that. And, and of course, just to address this, given that we are um. You know, this season, you know, given where it's going, it's over. And um, I think the interest of a lot of uh, a lot of us in, in, in the Celtics, you know, overall sphere has, has kind of shifted. Our, our, our mentality really shifted to the offseason. And that's really what um, what we're thinking about at this point. Um, we, we just want to see, you know, obviously, you know, we're monitoring that the situation in the standings could be cause we want to, you know, get it over with. Right. But just from an interest in the team standpoint, what's really going to be consequential here is the off season. And, um, so I, I want to bring up, um, a couple names, but first, first, I guess just as far as the draft pick, like it's hard to get into it much now because, you know, I don't know the exact order I haven't studied up on the prospects too much. I don't know the 
order of what we're going to be looking at. Like, I don't know for sure if we're going to be in the lottery yet. I hope we are, but I don't know for sure if we're going to be there. And, and then, you know, we'll see what the chances are of jumping and all that. And then the actual lottery will happen. We'll have coverage of all that when, when we get close to the time. But um, just a couple of names that I think could be possibilities. One, one's more, probably more of a trade and the other one's probably more of a signing. So um, obviously I really like the top eight on this, most of the top eight on this team. Um, obviously right now, next year that slots... Slots up to be Kemba, Smart, the Jays, and Robert Williams starting with Peyton Pritchard, um, Evan Fournier. I'm assuming they're going to, you know, they obviously traded for him, so I think they're going to try to resign him. Especially, you know, I think he's been a pretty good fit with the team. Um, again, just with his bout of COVID and everything else, he just hasn't had a chance to show it enough. I think he's been a good fit. Um, and I think they're going to keep him. And then Tristan Thompson at center with Aaron Neesmith would probably be the um, the last guy or, or, or the ninth guy. Like, I think he, he will have a chance um, next year. He's really come on as a late and definitely a bright spot to the season. So you've got, you've got nine guys there. You know, obviously that can, you know, you can go by with nine in the regular season, quite frankly. So, um, that leaves, uh, you know, if you're talking about what could be upgraded, though. I do think Tristan Thompson is that guy. He's making $9 million. It's an expiring contract. He's he's probably tradable. You can probably at least, you know, dump the salary without, like, that much effort. You know, given what the cap climate is going to be, I don't think it's going to be that hard to do. So, um, you can do that if you have to, or, you know, you could, you know, swap him just straight up for someone, you know, use him as a side match for someone. So there's different things you could do there, but I think, or, or you could keep him if you don't want to upgrade that, that slot. But I think if you're looking at what could be upgraded, you know, he, he's added a, a rebounding dimension that's good. He, um, you know, he's a tough guy inside. He does the dirty work. He, um, you know, he, 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 he's, I think, better than he's shown as a defender. So, but I think given what, you know, the situation is going to be, the team is going to be well under the tax probably and, um, just looking at if there's a better way to go at that spot. I think there is. And one situation that I'm very monitoring very closely is Al Horford. Al Horford, who spent three years as a Celtic, you know, a few years ago, 2017 to 19, um, he's in Boston, and, and he was a really good fit with the Celtics. Um, he was, you know, at, at the beginning, he was on on, on that Isaiah Thomas um, team that kind of overachieved his way to the conference finals. He was a key cog in that team. And, you know, just such someone who's such a good passer and 
you know, defender, versatile defender, and um, he can shoot. He's a really good leader by example. He is just a rock-solid player to have on your team. And um, I know he didn't work out great with the Sixers, in, in, case, uh, e, in case you're listening. I know he didn't work out great with the Sixers, but with us, and, and when he's playing his natural position at center, that's what he is. So... Obviously, you know, and, and then that kind of transition, you know, he, he kind of helped break Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum into the league. Um, you know, so I, I think... Yeah, that, it's interesting because, you know, obviously he went to Philly. I think he really regret he I think he really regrets that. You know, I know he got... Maybe he doesn't because of, of the contract he got, but... I know from a basketball standpoint, he, he he regrets it. He wishes he was still he was still in Boston. I know. Uh, there's an interesting way that can be rectified because I'm just looking at that at that situation. They sent they sent Horford home, and they said like, "Hey, just go sit at home, chill out. We're not going to buy you out now, but we're going to look at trades this summer, and you're not going to play for us again." But the problem is. Is there really going to be that much demand for that contract? Like, who is going to be, you know, competing to trade for that contract? I mean, it's $27 million, I think, next year. And then it's like fourteen guaranteed the year after that. But, like, if you keep him... You know, if you want to keep him on your team, which is, I'm, I'm assuming, why you'd be trading for him, it's going to be like twenty-seven. So, unless... The, the funder and and for the funder standpoint they're they're only going to be you know on the outlook for draft picks so if they can't get a draft pick for someone if, if if they can't take like an even worse contract than a draft pick then i don't know what the point is like i thought at one point when kemba walker had hit rock bottom that oh well maybe maybe the celtics just uh and this was i think before george hill got traded so i was like well maybe the celtics just trade kemba and a pick for horford and george hill and maybe that's like if if the Kemba situation gets really bad, then then that's a a get out of you know kind of get out of jail route that you go and you know Horford fits and all that stuff and um you give up the pick to to facilitate it and it is what it is. You have all your picks and 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 then you you can you know squash the obligation as soon as possible and then you still have all your stuff to trade in the future. Well, the thing is. You know, is is Kemba's been playing really well, so I think that's off the table now. So you're not gonna do that kind of a trade. So I'm just looking around the league, and I just don't see a whole lot of other teams, if any. I don't think there are, there are any at all. They're gonna be willing to trade for that contract. The only one, the only one that I can come up with that's even a possibility is the Charlotte Hornets, and that's because they're they're a they're kind of lower tier playoff team. They, they need a center. They, they've done well at bringing in guys from the Celtics, frankly. Um, Terry Rozier's worked out really well there. Gordon Hayward looked pretty good this season before he got hurt. Um, of course, that's the book on him at this point. Um, so, like, and, and, and they need a center. So, that, that's definitely their need. Cody Zeller's coming off the books. Like, you can see kind of see a match there. In fact, In fact, I think... 
quite frankly, the way things played out, <sighs> man, if I were, I don't know how this would have worked, but if I were, um, if I were the Hornets, because I think the Thunder had like a bunch of trade exceptions and stuff. If I were the Hornets, I would have probably, when I was looking at clearing space for Hayward and they ended up stretching Nick Batum, I actually think I would have investigated trading Batum. I would have investigated trading Batum and Cody Zeller for Horford. Because you're obviously taking on more salary long term, but you're getting a center upgrade. And you're lowering your salary obligation this year enough that you don't have to stretch anyone to sign Hayward. And you've got your center upgrade. Like That would have made... I don't know if Oklahoma City could have... I think they could have probably handled that that extra salary i'm not sure though so but it's an interesting idea so like and, and of course now they have the batum stretched salary on their books so i don't know necessarily and of course zeller's coming off you're not using him as a matching piece or you might be able to go over the cap to do that i think they're going to be under the cap but not by that much well i say not by that much they're, they don't have max space so it's just i don't know who on their roster you know they would give up to to bring in that that kind of a salary. I don't really think you know, that would be in play. I mean, maybe if, if Horford gets a free agency, maybe there's a competition there and, and maybe Charlotte can can get him there. But, um, you know, I know Washington was kind of in the running for Horford when he was a free, a free agent, you know, the first time. So, you know, maybe there's something there given how good Beal and Westbrook have been. But I think... I think, I mean, the more I think about this situation with Horford, the most likely outcome is that there ends up being a buyout, which means he could go sign anywhere. And I got to think if that happens, if the Celtics want him back, like there's a pathway to make this happen. There really is, and 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 that and that pathway basically is Horford gives up, um, you know, a certain amount of money, maybe like eight million or something. And, and this is obviously Hor Horford wanting to make this happen, as other players have. Um, you know, Dwayne Wade gave up a lot of money on his buyout. Um, when he was at the Bulls, just to get to Cleveland, and then it eventually back to Miami. So the, the blueprint would be Horford, you know, that would kind of be the blueprint that, you know, Horford would give up like 8 million or so maybe, and then maybe the Celtics give him, you know, their taxpayer mid-level at 5 million piece. And then, and then, you know, Horford can pocket, pocket that. And then, you know, he's giving up like 3 million and, and, and then negotiated. So like, like, Hey, you get that, you know, you give up this much, but then you get the rest of it with no offset or something like there's definitely, you know, there's got to be some sort of way you can do a buyout because I'm just not sure who's trading for that contract. And I'm not sure that the Thunder can just bring him back like nothing happened after telling the guy to go home. So, 
And if the Thunder can't find a deal that's going to get them draft picks or at least be draft pick neutral, I don't think they're going to do it because that's clearly their MO is just to go get draft picks. And you're getting to the end of the contract now. You know, you have another year and then you have that year that's partially guaranteed. So, and if you're looking at fits for Horford, I think the Celtics, you know, given the fact that he probably never wanted to leave, you know, really want to leave in the first place, I think the Celtics would have to be seen as a really good fit for him. Um, and he would be a great fit for what the Celtics need. You know, they need a guy like him. They need a guy that's going to be a ball mover. They need a guy that's a, you know, a versatile defender, someone who you can start big at the four and not just be, not to just be silly like like Tice at the four was just silly. That that didn't work at all. Um, because the thing is, Tice could shoot, but Tice is not like a Tice is not someone. If you're the defense, you're not fearing him shooting. Whereas with Horford, it's like if he's out there again, you don't want him like him standing in the corner is not the only thing you want him doing, but like he can shoot it, and you have to. You know, you have to notice him and you have to defend him. So, and and that stretch five element is something I think the Celtics miss. When they were when they were kind of at their peak, they had stretch fives that would shoot and they'd play five out basketball. They weren't really able to do that this year. As much as I love Robert Williams, that's the thing he 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 can't he can't do. He can't really shoot. I think he could get there eventually. I think he can at least shoot mid-rangers eventually, but um, he doesn't have the three ball. And if you look at, you know, look, the Nets are the, the Nets. are the Nets. They're going to implode eventually. It's a matter of time. But with, with those players and those personalities and those injury histories and just those issues in general, they're going to implode at some point. So... I'm looking from a long-term standpoint at, you know, who are the teams in the East going to be? Who are the player players going to be? Well, Embiid is one. Because I, I think Embiid is a little dude. I don't expect him to leave Philly, you know, when he gets a free agency. Um, So he's going to be a dude long-term that you're looking at. And then Giannis is the other one who just signed the extension. So given that, you know who defended Giannis and Hor y- 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 not Giannis or Giannis and Embiid pretty damn well when he was with the Celtics in his first stint. Al Horford did. Al Horford was, you know, almost as you know, not that you're going to stop those guys, but he was almost as good as it gets. You know, trying to trying to handle those guys, and obviously, you know, Embiid is a different player now, and maybe they picked up some stuff both ways when they were teammates for that little bit, but, um, like, like to have, have a guy like that. Cause obviously Embiid had his way with Robert Williams. And again, I love Robert Williams. I don't think that's a negative indictment on Robert Williams. I just think that's how, what Embiid does to most players, but Al Horford isn't most players. Maybe you could get, maybe that could be an X factor for you. If you play Philly in a playoff series. So, and again, this isn't saying you have to, you know, totally get rid of Robert Williams. He's someone who could start still in, um, 
You know, if you wanted to run a big lineup out there, you could start him at the five. You could play him off the bench at the five. Use his, you know, maybe pair him with, with a guy like Marcus Smart to, and Peyton Pritchard, guys like that. Fournier, whoever is starting or coming off the bench. Um, you know, he, he can kind of come off the bench, give you that energy. Um, so, so you still have plenty of time for him. But I definitely think, you know, if you could get a guy like that back, do it. And, and the reunions don't have to stop there. You know, Aaron Baines is a guy that was pretty damn good in Boston. He is someone they brought in for some size. Um, in, 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 in the 20, 2017, yeah, 2017 offseason, um, they... Had kind of gutted the roster because they, you know, in order to sign Gordon Hayward. And they really, um, you know, the, after, after they'd done that, really what it came down to was they needed, uh, they, they needed another big guy and he's the guy they brought in and he ended up being a really good fit. He was a banger inside. And he could defend the post, and he could, uh, they developed his three-point shot. So by the time the playoffs were rolling around, he shoot, he's out there shooting threes. And obviously that kind of became his calling card. Last year he had a really good year with the Suns after we had, we had traded him, you know, in order to clear cap space for Kemba. So... You know, and then obviously after his Phoenix tenure was over, you know, he was kind of a desirable player. He ended up making more money on his next contract with the um, with the Raptors, who had, of course, lost Gasol and Ibaka. It's interesting, though, because Baines, you know, was supposed to be the Raptors starting center, but he really didn't have a good year there. And... They they picked up uh, Ken Birch. They picked up um, they have Chris Boucher. So so they got some other guys. You know they're now at center and and they might be kind of going into more of a youth movement. So I don't think Baines is going to be back there next year. I'll put it that way. I don't think he is. So and and he's a guy given the year he, he he's had here. I don't know if he's getting a more than the minimum. I mean, maybe some team pays him a little bit, but is he getting more than a minimum? I don't know. So I'm just saying, if you can get him available for the minimum, if you can get him for that, then then, then bring Aaron Baines back to Boston. Like, because you're talking about, guy, again, guys who can defend Embiid. He was, again, near the top of the list when he was with Boston. He and Horford did a great job on him. So if you could bring those guys back, You know, a little bat. You know, kind of going back to, back to when we were successful. Get those guys back here, like, to go with all the other great pieces that we have. That would just be a home run kind of deal. And then Robert Williams will have his role within that, no doubt. Bain Baines would probably be the third guy behind Williams and Horford if that happened. And then maybe you'd see some instances where they all play and Horford starts to the four. But 
that's probably my number one target this offseason. That's the guy I'm looking at because I think there's a chance. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. But I think there's a chance that guy could be walking in the door for free. And that would be a major win. You know, that would be the sort of win they need after the, the losses the, these last few years. After he's walked out the door. That's the sort of thing they need. So, um... That's kind of the one I'm hoping happens. But there is one other name I want to talk about. And this is going to be kind of, kind of for the people that want a more radical change to the team that you don't believe this core can work, which I disagree with you, but this is probably going to be more your your route. And the name I'm going to bring up is Jaron Jackson Jr. for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Jaron Jackson was obviously, I think he was the fourth overall pick a few years ago. He, he He's looked really good when he's been healthy, and that's been the problem. He has not been healthy a lot of time he missed a lot of time at the beginning of this season um and you know, but he's looked really good when he's played he definitely looked like along with john morant they're the two foundational pieces of their franchise but it sounds like they're getting a little fed up with the injuries and they might consider shopping him in the offseason um obviously you know brandon clark is another young player they could kind of plug in um you know if they get enough back maybe you could it could make sense for them to do the deal. So, he, you know, this is a really interesting name where if we can't do the, that first scenario I talked about, this is a scenario that, that, that is interesting. And it might even be better in some ways just because Jaron Jackson is, it, you know, the fact that he's a young guy, he, he's much closer to the Tatum Brown timeline. So from that standpoint, it might even be better, but it's going to be more costly, and that's the negative here. But you know, if you're if you're someone who is not sold that Marcus Smart should be on the Celtics long term, like this might be for you because I think he's definitely a guy. Like if you take, you know, obviously the the, the Grizzlies, if you look at their team. They brought in Justice Winslow with the idea that he was going to be their starting three. That didn't really pan out. They had Dylan Brooks. They had like Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson. They have some okay players, but I think Smart would probably be an upgrade over all of them. You know, just for his defense. They could be a really good defensive team if they had a guy like that. So, you know, if the Celtics get. And I'm, I'm again. I'm just spitballing here. It might be. It might be more. Take more than I'm saying, or it might even take less. I don't really know. But let's say obviously you don't touch the Celtics pick this year if it's in the, if it's in that top five or top four or whatever. You're not touching it. But if the pick doesn't jump and it stays, it let's let's say this goes perfectly and the pick is number twelve. You know, what if you call the Grizzlies and you say, hey, we will give you the 12th pick and we will give you Marcus Smart for Jaron Jackson. You know, i got to think that might get their attention. Maybe not. Maybe I'm crazy, but, you know, that that's not a bad offer at all. You're getting a a really good perimeter defender and smart who's going to set set the tone for you from a leadership and culture standpoint. 
I know the you know. I know he he hasn't been. There, there's other reasons why he hadn't been as good defensively this year. Let let's just, it's it's. Just the same thing with the whole team. Like like I like I've said plenty of times. It's, it it is very much related to the long season they played last year, and they just haven't been able to give the same effort because of that. And I don't blame them. You know, Smart is someone who is just one of the best perimeter defenders in basketball, full stop. And if you added that to that Grizzlies team, you know, that's intriguing. If you're looking into... Now, if I were the Grizzlies, I probably wouldn't trade Jaron Jackson. I'd ride it out a little bit more. But you can kind of see, you know, if they're if they're going to move him. I definitely think that's, you know, if I'm the Celtics... I'm very much monitoring that situation. So you you could definitely put together, and there's a lot of teams that are probably in on him, but you could put together a competitive offer for sure. And, you know, we got other young guys. We got um, plenty of young guys on rookie contracts. We got, um, you know, we'd be, we'd be fine. So as far as crafting an offer. So as far as... Now would have beat out other offers. I don't know, but you can come up with an offer for that. As far as how Jackson would fit, um, he he'd be either you play him as a big four, like the Grizzlies have, or more likely, and and this might not be great news for Robert Williams, but more likely he'd be he could be that stretch five we're talking about, and he could be that long term stretch five to pair. With Brown, with Tatum. And then I think at that point, you definitely would keep Fournier, and Fournier would probably start. And I think maybe you'd. Hmm. You may even want to expand the deal somehow. Because the Grizzlies have. You know, a couple perimeter guy, a, a couple perimeter guys that would be gettable there, and that would be, you know, Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow. I think you'd want to get one of those guys. They could maybe slot in somewhere in your rotation, and then maybe Fournier still comes off the bench. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I I think there could be a deal to be made there between those two teams if things work out a certain way. So again, I think I think if you ask me which of those options I prefer, I like the option of I like that first option. You know, I really liked Al Horford and Aaron Baines when they were here. I really didn't want to see them leave. And especially Horford, I mean, if you could find a way to get that guy back with you know for free. I, I think that would just be such a win. And that would just be the sort of move that can set this team up, you know, to be right back in the thick of things next year. You you add the infusion there in the front court with better health, no COVID, no injuries, everybody's playing. Like, if you actually got that, this team would be right there. They really would. So, you know... There's a lot to be excited about with the uh, with the 2022 Boston Celtics, and that's kind of what 
what the focus is going to be here, you know, going forward. So, um, that's, I think that's going to be it for episode 14 of the Clown Shop Podcast. And, and thank you for listening and, and have a great night. Definitely check out episode 13 as well. We recorded it earlier. Me, me, Shri, E, and Raleigh went through our all NBA teams. So definitely check that out. And, uh, we'll have another episode at some point soon. I think we'll probably have one on the, on the draft you know, on the NFL draft coming up, but we have still haven't gotten to that. We're, we're still on our minds. We're going to try to uh, get a recording in on that and just give our, you know, draft draft analysis. I don't know if we're going to do winners or losers or grades. We'll discuss, but there will be something on the NFL draft. And we will also probably have some playoff content coming. We'll probably have... Um, there's a... Not a hundred percent chance we're gonna to get to this, but there's a decent chance there might be a playoff pick episode coming at some point next week. So thanks for listening and have a great night. <laughs>